I did not have sexual relations with that woman. Yes or no, did you ever take banned substances to enhance your cycling performance? Yes. I had no prior knowledge of the planned assault on Nancy Kerrigan. I am deeply sorry for my irresponsible and selfish behavior I engaged in. Hey, it's Oops the Podcast, everybody. Uh, I'm Francis. He's Julio Gallarotti. G, how are you? Good, man. How you doing? Man, I'm great because we're joined today by the illustrious, the fantastic, the hysterical, the man of many voices. You know him from billions, from his recent HBO special, Son of a Gary. Ladies and gentlemen, it is Dan Soder. Wow. Thank you for that intro. What a very lovely Zoom intro. That's the best Zoom intro I've ever had. I'm known for them. It's pretty yeah. good. I That's studied it. abroad my, my junior year of college in, in, were uh, you in Mexico. A spy? Oh, I was, gonna, I was hoping you were one of those people that went to Spain. And you no, I went to – I close. <laughs> I went to Mexico, and they called me Senior Zumo Intro. Yeah? That's how what I was – Mexico? What I was known for it. <laughs> I don't know. I never Chihuahua? went there. I would never go there. Sonola? Where were you? Were you helping the cartels? <laughs> Dude, it'd be fucking so funny to find out that Francis's money was all cartel money. That would be great. Like, like, you thought he was just the whitest dude, and it turns out, like, <laughs> El Chapo's his boy. He's got a I fucking – Francis has a golden AK somewhere in his house. <laughs> you know, <laughs> bad people have always is. taken a liking to me. So yeah, dude. Uh... <laughs> I never thought about this, but the cartels already had their coronavirus masks with those fucking bone ones that they wear. Oh, 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 yeah. Yeah, like, they're, like, leaving to go to the store, and they're like, should I put on this skeleton one that could get us in trouble? And they're like, oh, yeah, it's for, uh, for all of our protection here in the compound. <laughs> <laughs> I love those masks, and hype beasts have gotten into them, too. I think uh, Supreme makes a version of them. Yeah, it's funny to watch rich white girls now wear a thing that has terrified Mexican villages since 2003. <laughs> <laughs> White girls, just, white girls never understand how fucking dumb they look sometimes. Like, when they started calling everyone fuck boys, and everyone's like, you know, that's a prison term for a guy that gets fucked. And white <laughs> girls are like, I don't care. I use it now. I'm living my best life. White women caused the coronavirus. I'm saying it right now. White <laughs> women's arrogance caused this coronavirus. Yeah. Well, <laughs> speaking of white women uh, and coronavirus, I, I finally got a mask, and it's, it comes from a company called Sail Bags, which makes uh, kind of kitschy, fun handbags made out of uh, repurposed sailing boat sails. So, Dude, you got the whitest face mask possible. I did. <laughs> it looks like an apron. Also, I mean, dude, you got one from a sailboat? Yes. Yeah, that's part of an old sail right there. Dude, I don't think there's anything whiter. There's, and there's not, the only way you could get whiter is if you're like, this is a face mask made from the netting of a lacrosse stick. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and that wouldn't work. <laughs> you know, uh, there's, it's pretty cool. Uh, they just use, dude, a fucking sailboat face mask. Sailboat. Great. It looks like a maxi pad, dude. Does mm -hmm. it cover your whole face? Do it again. I, mean, I haven't figured out how to wear it yet, but. All right. It's kind of on there. Dude, you know what? Do you guys watch uh, Handmaid's Tale? No. I do not. Oh, uh, it's about rape. And um, it's... Uh, what a they, I know. <laughs> dark premise for a show. Not sure how that got pitched. But uh, 
the, the sh these masks remind me of the ones that the, the women who you know are very oppressed in the show have to wear. So how does it feel? How does it feel, Francis? It feels like wear... I can finally understand the women in that show, which I, I never finally, thought I'd get. I finally get it. <laughs> Wait, Francis, you were kidding when you said you studied abroad in Mexico, right? I don't think I they was. That. No, they don't. They I've don't never heard of it. someone studying abroad in Mexico. No, they I do research in Mexico. That's what you do. Yeah. Yeah. They, if someone asked for that, they'd be like, what? <laughs> and you're like, I want to study abroad in Mexico. They're like, I think you mean Spain. They're like, yeah. no, no, no. I want to go to Mexico. They'd be like, are you trying to lose weight? Like, what are you? What's up? You running from something? You know, it's not just a party the whole time. And you're like, no, no, no. I just want to go to Mexico. Uh, How do you think it, drug dealers are faring during all this? Well, the ones, the ones that want to make money are making money. Yeah. Um, I've been getting updates from my weed delivery service in Manhattan that are so funny because they're more concerned than anybody. They keep changing their policy. They're like, listen, we know you need your medicine in these yeah. times, but now here's how it's going to work. The runner will drop it off at your door, ring the doorbell, and we've switched entirely to Venmo. Pre-orders only, $200 or more. That's great. That is Love great. It. it would be great if they were like, and if you buy two ounces now, we'll give you a whole supply of hydrochlorazone or whatever that fucking drug is. <laughs> we got a little bit. You can take it if you're feeling a little corona. <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to have to go into Manhattan. I'm staying at my girlfriend's in Jersey. I'm going to have to go into Manhattan and forage. Like, I Oh, have. I could ship you some, dude. To get weed? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm good. I still have like, I still have half ounce, a half ounce left, but I feel like that's like a week the way you that last it's, year, yeah it's gonna get me to the end of april but i think we're gonna be through the i think we're gonna be going through this till june so mm -hmm. i don't know i've got weed stores up here in maine now uh which allow you to come in with a medical card but your medical card doesn't have to be from maine mine is from california it cost me 60 dollars on a website and uh i went in and you can buy 2.5 ounces every uh, 15 days and an ounce of their highest end marijuana is $250. Wait, and you're in Maine right now? Yeah. Oh, we're going to have to have a out of Zoom conference. Oh, I can't wait. Dan, it's becoming yeah. my mentor in comedy. You know what? A little uh, off to the side fucking uh, yes. conference. A little Get parlay. It, it's, um, it's really weird to think about like the quarantine with places with legal weed because you're like oh you can still are they staying open are they Dude, they're uh, essential services they have to yeah everywhere yeah oh god Fucking god great. bless god know, bless right? america <laughs> dude this happens to me sometimes i don't know about if you, if you guys agree with this but the times that i've smoked during this i immediately start doubting my future worse than i ever have i'm like yeah, there's dude. no way i'm gonna have a career when this starts again julia you got a backflow in it you just got to smoke and then be like, man, we're all in it. I thought I, I, I it's, it's weird you say that because I fight with myself to see how early I'll smoke. Like I'll wake up and if I'm, I made it till right before I signed on here, like 1255. And I was like, good fucking job, dude. Showered. You got some stuff done. What a fucking day. But then I immediately go to that panic. And in the shower, what I thought about was like, no one's doing stand up. So mm -hmm. it's not like you're injured or you're out or you can't do it and it, like the world's going on on around you you're you're in the same place that everyone else is like chris rock can't do stand up right you know what i mean like right. dave Chappelle can't do stand up and uh, at the very bottom some guy that wears the fucking 
bottom of a horse costume can't go on stage right now at an open mic. <laughs> like everyone, top to bottom, everyone's done. We're all we're all yeah. on the sideline. I think it's going to be weird because I feel bad for the people that started comedy in the last year and started getting that momentum of like, right. okay, now I know how it feels to go on stage and do the jokes. Because I feel like if you've done it for more than five years, it's going to be a wonky week or two of everyone just being like, huh, hey, everyone. Mm -hmm. Oh, fuck. Like, social interactions, I feel like, are going to be weird. But everyone's taking – no one's doing stand-up. And if you're yeah. trying to do stand-up online, you're a moron. You don't know how stand-up works. <laughs> I know. I know. It's so Do you think digital comedy works? You're a fucking idiot. I really <laughs> do mean that. If you're really like, oh, just do stand-up, but just online, it's like, man, God bless you. I agree, oh, man. It's weird as fuck. Right? Like, yeah. I got ambushed the other day. Somebody asked me to do an interview, and then they were like, oh, now do, like, do, do 10 minutes. I was like, no, dude. Julio, mm -hmm. let me tell you something right now that I've learned throughout my career is always say no to that. Because it <laughs> will never go well. It will never go well. It's like a bar fight. It's like if you're a trained boxer, and there's mm -hmm. just a guy at a bar who's like, hey, come outside with me. And you're like, even if this goes well. It's supposed to go well. Mm -hmm. <laughs> don't walk outside and then just get knocked out by some janitor that was like a Golden Gloves champ and then fucking had a kid. You know what I mean? Like, yes. it never works. This, yeah. I've never done. Dude, when I first moved to New York, I, I left a radio job in Arizona and I, you know, I was doing stand up, but I moved to, Ari uh, to New York just to do stand up. How it happened, like, my on air check tape, uh, my on air uh, air check tape got to this guy that worked or uh, at Sirius, and he used to work at K Rock in New York. He gave my tape to the music director of Free FM, which then became K Rock again. So she brings me in for an interview, and she's like, "Give me a tour of the studio." And there was this more, there was like this show called JV and Elvis, and we're like walking by, and I'm maybe less than three years into comedy, like three years of doing it, and they're like, "Yo, dude." do you want to come on our radio show and do stand-up? And immediately, like, my young comic brain, my, like, comic puppy brain was like, yeah, dude, what a fucking experience. This is on the radio in New York. And then immediately, the second part of me was like, no. No fucking way. And I was like, nah, man, I appreciate it. <laughs> they tried hard. They'd be like, come on, man. You're new to New York. This will help you out. Come on. And I was like, yeah, I'm good, man. I did the walking away. I did the Karen, you know, when she's walking away from De Niro and Goodfellas. Like, all right, thanks, Tom. I'm going to keep going, you know? And they're like, ah, why can't come here? And then I got on the elevator, and the music director, Danny, was like, that was the smartest decision I think I've seen you make. She's like, they would have fucking torn you apart had mm. you tried to do stand-up on there. And you're like, yeah, dude, you can't, you can't put yourself out there like that. Yeah, yeah. dude, I agree. It's, it's stupid. It seems, like, really stupid. I don't know. You Someone think of watching your – sorry, Francis, but I think you gotta, you got to think of people watching your stand-up like people watching your sex tape. It's like, you better have the right lighting the best angles and it better be one of the best fucks of your life or else you're going to look like a fucking moron. And the people watching <laughs> it had better be horny. Yeah. Yeah. They better <laughs> fucking want to be there. Yeah. Like, you get bombarded with someone's sex. And you're like, what's the, fucking, what's the lighting all weird? <laughs> yeah. You, people have to want to be there. Yeah. Uh, I got, I got hit up by a guy who asked me how much I would charge to come do a 10 minute set. In, just for him and his buddies on a Zoom chat on Friday evening. And I was like, I, I legitimately said, dude, uh, I'll just do it for free, but let's just hang out. Like, yes. I don't really want to 
to stand up. And they were so excited that I would, that I'm just going to come like yeah. have a beer with them and shift, that's going to go better. Yeah. You got to shift the dude. Cause honestly, no comic gets away from hooking, like doing private gigs for a lot of money. But you got to remember when you're doing those private gigs for money and you're bombing like that, no one's recording it. This shit, you don't mm-hmm. know who's recording it. Right. So you do a bad zoom set and they're like, look at this fucking moron go. And you're like, yeah. <laughs> like I've done that. Like I remember I've done private gigs where they're like, Hey, you know, it's like us in a fucking, you know, a business dinner. And we want you to do stand up like early in my career. And you're like, fucking yeah, what's up dude. But then you're doing it. And you're like, Oh yeah, these never go well. Private gigs never go well. Yeah. So Why do you think that is like, I know there's a number of reasons, but like make you in your opinion, I think it's the two things that are shared between benefits and private gigs is there's this feeling of superiority of like we hired you clown dance which stand up when it's done well you like it's having a conversation with you taking the underside you being the butt of the joke so when you come in already the butt of the joke and you're just more pushed down then there's just more this like pathetic air to it where there's mm-hmm. just like oh look at this guy and you're like yeah man you brought me in to be funny don't bring me in and then act like I'm an asshole for being here. Every private gig I've ever done, they're kind of like, oh, okay. I did this. I got offered like a crazy amount of money. And I was like, dude, I can't turn this gig down. And it was like a Tuesday night. And they're like, you're going to do 20 minutes. And I was like, in New York, I could go, <laughs> honestly, in between sets. I could go from like the seller to this gig. And I was like, dude, I'll do this shit. And I show up in a fucking Denver Nuggets t-shirt. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? I'm gonna wear a button down over because this is they're fucking they're paying a pretty good amount of money. <laughs> and I put a button down over. I show up. It's a gala. It's a fucking gala for doctors <laughs> trying to solve brain cancer. Oh, and God. I'm just like, oh hey, what's up, goddamn? I, sw- I had the flop sweats like I played in an <laughs> NBA finals game. Like I sweated like Patrick Ewing. Like when I got off, I was like. <laughs> I got somebody mopping the stage dude yeah they had, they had the guy come out yeah like, <laughs> dude they, it was awful and i remember just getting the check and going back out in the, into the like escaping into the night and being like oh yeah this is what these always are is mm. you eating shit for money because oh, then yeah at, le- at least you had a guy who would come out and mop after you when i do those gigs we have to have everyone get up from their table and then shuffle their feet on the sweat spot that's i'm yeah. I'm, I'm playing men's league pickup and you're oh, playing dude. nba mop yeah you're just like everyone's like all right move over here the court's too wet for francis <laughs> yeah it's, uh, it's it's insane and it's like a real thing where i think during the quarantine I, you guys probably feel the same you just fucking miss comedy i just miss yeah you know i miss being around my friends i miss i miss traveling on a thursday which i never thought i would say mm-hmm. i miss like it's going to be Thursday morning tomorrow. And like, I've woken up every week being like, ah, fuck, I should be on the road this week. I should be on the road this week. And you're like, damn it. Yeah. Hotel just, rooms. I, I miss that. Yeah. It's just been a part of my life for, you know, 15 years that you're like, dude, I fucking miss this shit. Hmm. Guys, if you're thinking about starting a podcast, fill in the blanks here. If I were in a concert right now and I said, if you're thinking about starting a podcast, I'd then turn the microphone to all of you sitting in the stadium and you would all yell, Anchor, Anchor. And then you'd say, go to anchor.fm to download the software where you could host your very own podcast, see all the best analytics. You could see it in a way that was really user-friendly and nice and not too technical and industry jargony. It's a way that any person can look at it and be like, ooh, that's pretty. And also it's our podcast. And there's no minimum listenership required to advertise and monetize. 
So you can immediately have ads when you hit the ground running. It's really exciting, really spectacular. If you want to start your very own podcast, Anchor.fm, download it now. So, Dan, um, I have a, a story and a question. All right. So my story is, and I think I might have told you this, I did a gig in Brooklyn not too long ago uh, where I was, I don't know, it was probably 30 people in the audience and Paul Giamatti was there. Yeah, hey, my guy. Yeah. And um, I've run into him a few times. I used to live in Brooklyn Heights and he yeah, lives that's what there. They all lived. There was a lot yeah. of people that live in that fucking neighborhood. Yeah. And, uh, and so I, w- I saw him getting on the subway once and, you know, he just seems like a pretty regular, he seems like one of those celebrities who can exist in anonymity and, and yeah, has yeah. earned the privacy of a lot of people. Quick glance. You think the guy's just like a roofer. Yeah. yeah. Like when you see him on the street, he's always wearing like a t-shirt, always yeah. like very humble and yeah. Very low key. Um, yeah. And also, ironically, I would say that he's a guy who, when you see him in person, I've always found him to be more handsome than the roles he plays. Yeah, you're, yeah you think he drops down for I, for... think I think that's always like a casting decision or like a... Because they, they, they oftentimes his roles, be, you know, are these... Or is it like one of those things where you see a point guard from the NBA in real life and you're like, dude, you're fucking 6'4"? And on the court... <laughs> He looks like he's like five foot two. That might be right. Footers. Yeah, that could be because everyone so else funny. is so attractive around him. Yeah, dude. yeah, yeah, totally. Do we do table reads with billions? And there's a new character on the show that's like, um, you know, I don't want to give enough away, but he's a very handsome man, very sexy boy. And you're uh, and you're in the room and you're like, yeah, hey, Paul. But then you see that guy and you're like, whoa, what? You take your shirt off. <laughs> you're like I'm not gay, but take your shirt off. That's fucking crazy. Yeah, uh, so I, I love think, it. I think you're, but you're not wrong, Francis. You see him in person, you're like, oh, you're you're a, you're a good looking, you're a decent. Yeah, guy. yeah, and super interesting guy. I know his dad was like the commissioner of baseball and the president yeah. of Yale and all this stuff. Um, so I think I have that right. Maybe it was his great, whatever. Um, the point is, my brain. This is how stupid and delusional I am. My brain. The, while I'm waiting for my spot, I'm watching Paul Giamatti and seeing what he laughs at and thinking, okay, if I can tune my set to his, to his yeah. standards of comedy, he'll see me, he'll tell Brian Koppelman or yeah. the next you know, Sideways 2 casting director, yeah. and <laughs> this will be my big break through Paul Giamatti. <laughs> I saw this guy in Brooklyn, and he just he had every joke I wanted. <laughs> Cast him. Cast him immediately. You can't uh, – I've done that before, dude. I've totally – that's kind of what pandering is, is when, yeah. you, when you kind of play to the room and it isn't you. Mm-hmm. And it's like I've, I'm so guilty of that. Like the first 10 years of my career, I'd be like – I was so heavily influenced. Like, oh, well, these people are in the room, so maybe I should do this joke, or this, this, which can be smart to a certain point. But in the end, you're just going to look like you're trying too hard. Mm-hmm. Like you're reaching out and you're just like, hi. And they're like, because then if it doesn't connect, you're, the rest of the room's like, who's this fucking guy? And you're yeah. just like, please, Paul, Paul, back me up on this. Is this joke? <laughs> Do you think this joke works? Yeah. yeah. You lose big when that doesn't work out. Yeah. yeah. Even if you win, it's like, okay. You, you like that was, again, it's like kind of like doing that, those private gigs where it's like, even if you do okay, you were supposed to do okay. Mm-hmm. You're supposed, what did he, did you, how was your, how'd your set go? Awesome. I did, I had a great set. Uh, and I, but I was very acutely performing to him. Yeah. 
you know everyone else melted it was like i'd spotted the girl at the high school dance across the gym and everyone just faded away yeah you just peacocked for paul giamatti yeah (laughs) yeah like "Ah." you get off stage and wink and he's probably like he's a cool cool motherfucker man yeah cool dude i don't work with him a lot but over the years we've done a lot of table reads together Mm -hmm. every time i see him man i'm still awkward around him because he is so fucking cool it's like, hey, hi. Yeah. Yeah. I do a lot of the Chris Farley show energy, you know? I'm yeah. Like, I remember when you were inside, sideways. That was, that was awesome. Oh, it's so <laughs> good. Cinderella, man, he was great. Yeah, he's, he's awesome in everything, dude. Awesome oh, career. Private parts. Yeah. Soder, how did the process of that go down, getting on that show? Like, do, did you audition for it as a pilot? Yeah, yeah, I knew uh, I knew Brian Koppelman and David Levine. I met them when I moved to New York because Koppelman was doing stand-up. So I met him through that. And then we just kind of stayed in touch and friends. And then I auditioned for – he had a movie called Solitary Man. And he called me up and he was like, hey, you want to act? You're like acting, right? I was like, yeah, I'm like doing stupid sketches with my friends and shit. And he's like, yeah, why don't you come in and audition for this movie because I know you, I'll be in the room, and what a better process for you to go through your first like big audition with a big casting director that with meet with one of your buddies in the room. You really just toss it out like that. He was like, it's awesome. You know, learn the lines, come in and I'll let you know. And I came in and it was like, I really, I worked on it a lot and I came in and I did it and um, I left and he was like, dude, you fucking, you did better than I thought you were going to do. And I was like, Hey shit. All right, cool. <laughs> and then there was like, I was 26 at the time. I think it was about 10 years ago. I was like 26. Uh, yeah, Solitary Man came out in like 09, I think. And he was, I was auditioning for like an 18 year old. And he's like, called me. He's like, dude, the casting director says you look way too grizzled. And I was like, yeah, I'm a real bad alcoholic, man. Like at the time, I was like really drinking. Like I'm talking about waking up and drinking Gatorade because I was so hungover, not because I was like thirsty, because I was like, ah, help me. And so I was like a dried out raisin. I was like, yeah, dude, that's, uh, I get that. And then, is that the Barcelona days? yeah dude barcelona bar days that was heavy barcelona bar day julio (laughs) knew me we kind of knew each other because you and ricky would come up from broadway and nate bargetzi joe list and i would be fucking drink i knew that entire staff top to bottom dude it's crazy that's how bad of a drink drinking problem i had (laughs) i knew like when matt was working on friday nights and i only had like 20 bucks i could be like all right well matt will give me like five free vodka shots of that purple <laughs> vodka if i go in and i have bud lights which are three dollars a piece i do this like <laughs> alcoholic economics where I, just be like, I can live off this and i can still tip them seven bucks so that's, pretty, that's a pretty good tip and i'll go in dude i had so many of those lock-ins barcelona bar used to lock jason the owner would like lock the door and you could smoke inside and drink until like seven in the morning and i did those a lot mm. a lot but yeah but I, I'll, you know like uh, to the auditioning thing i just auditioned for his movie and didn't get it and i was like yeah it wasn't supposed to hmm. kept doing other you know like schumer put me on her show did a bunch of random ass sketches uh with people and then i was working on a pilot idea like i was meeting with koppelman and levine talking about the show idea that i had where i was like i want to do this pilot you know and i like went to them and, and told me the idea and they're like oh, it's a good idea why don't you come to our office and we'll like actually talk about it and after like a couple of meetings, like, do we have to disappear and write this pilot that we're writing with uh, at, uh, Ross Sorkin, with Andrew Ross Sorkin? So we'll like get in touch with you. And then I just didn't hear from them for like months. And then they come back and they're like, hey, we, we wrote that pilot and we're going to do a 
pilot for Showtime. Do you want to come in and audition? And they gave me like three roles to read for. And I came in and I read and Showtime liked me and they kept bringing me back and they kept bringing me back. And then I was like, this role's a major role. It was like one of the top, like uh, one of the bigger roles. And I was like, I don't know why they keep bringing me back. I don't know if I could fucking do that. And eventually they're like, hey, we got the actor we wanted for that role, but Showtime likes you. But there's really nothing in you for the pilot. We can make you like the basketball coach, which might get cut, but that's a one-off. Or you can wait and we can write you a role. And I was like, fucking. <laughs> it was crazy. I, don't, I can't imagine a world where I'd be so fucking dumb and greedy for attention that I'd be like, I need to be in that pilot. I was like, dude. Kill me. Kill like, me. Have fun. Have fun making the pilot. Let me know how it goes. And then, you know, uh, my agent got a call and was like, hey, uh, Dan Soder, I was originally slated to be in like four episodes in season one. And then just immediately going on set of Axe Capital, like everything clicked and like everybody just got along super well. And then there was other actors that got more opportunities. So then they just kind of, they like broke that meet up around, you know, like zoo animals. They just threw us like, <laughs> like yeah, fucking eat this. I'm like, yeah, I'll fucking take a line. I'll take it. What do you mean more actors got opportunities? Like they, they developed the characters of the peripheral or, or people? No, I'm saying like much? the actual actor started getting on other shows. Oh, like they oh, started oh. working on other shit and they're yeah. like, oh, this guy's not available this day. Mm -hmm. and they're like, well, we need to film. And we filmed up in um, like near the uh, Palisades Mall up in New York. That's mm -hmm. where the original Axe Cap was. And they would, we, dude, that shit's all glass. So you have to film with the sun. Like, you don't get to choose. Yeah. Like, now we shoot on a soundstage. So if, it's, if it needs to be the afternoon at fucking 1030 at night, they can make it that. But right. back in the day, the first two seasons, you had to film with the sun. So then we'd be getting up at, like, 330 to drive up there and start mm. filming, like, right when the sun came up at, like, 7 a.m. And you're like, especially in the winter months where it was so short, you're like, you have to, we have to get this in immediately. Mm. But it was... Uh, some of those guys, you know, we had specific days we could film, and some of the actors were like, oh, I'm working on this show or that show, so I can't make it. So they'd be like, oh, we'll just give them a fee more lines, or Ben Kim, or you know what I mean? Hmm. All our bill. Awesome. Very I can't imagine cool. having that good of a career that I can't show up to billions. Yo, man, but it's <laughs> – you got to remember, season one and two, we were like – people – like, season one we were making it, we are like, this is fun. This is like good scripts. Like, I wonder if this is going to be a good show. And then we like, right. people like season one. And you're like, huh. Right. Like, uh, Daniel, Daniel K. Isaac, who plays Ben Kim, he and I like went to set every day together, every time we shot season one and season two. And we both were just kind of like, is this going to be, is this going to be? A <laughs> and then as it built, you're like, fucking hey, look at this shit go. So it was, it was, it was, it was been cool to watch, but yeah, I think at the time those actors in season one and season two were kind of like, dude, that's the thing about actors that I'm so glad I'm a comedian is because they can only work when they get cast. Right. And like we, once this quarantine, I mean, we can't work right now, but once the quarantine's lifted, you can just work. Mm -hmm. Like, Oh, let mm -hmm. me go up at New York comedy club. I can, even if it's not a good show, I can go to fucking a bar show and get up mm -hmm. and do it. Actors can't just go into the park and start doing a scene. I know, yeah. dude. I think it's why they go fucking nuts and join cults and shit in LA, man. They have yeah. no control. Because when you're on, you're like on. And like, 
dude, I, I, I sit around on set on Billions, and I'm like, dude, this is a limited time thing, and I'm aware of that, and I'm enjoying how nice everything is here. Because I've done, like, indie movies and stuff where there's, like, the craft service tables, like a couple kind bars and an apple. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then you've done, like, like, Billions where you're like, oh, shit, y'all get steak at lunch? That's pretty yeah. cool. Someone's going to cook us. There's, like... So it's, I don't know, man, it's like easily one of the coolest opportunities I had. And, hmm. you know, we were half, we were a little over halfway done with the season when the, when the break happened. So hmm. it'll be interesting to see where it goes when shit's back. Um, I did a, uh, I was in Red Dead Redemption. Um, as Dude, a, don't, don't fuck with me. Who are you in Red Dead? So it's a, <laughs> it's a pretty small part, but. I, uh, do you understand my girlfriend and I have played every inch of that game? <laughs> okay, okay, okay. So I'm in this game. So there's a scene where there's a, a big cocktail party. Yeah, and, down in St. Denis. And they start Saint-Denis. lighting off fireworks. Yeah, dude, it's the mayor's house. I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> that's fucking, that's before Arthur gets tuberculosis. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Anyone who has played Red Dead Redemption. Yeah. So <laughs> I know. Yeah, of course. Of course. So I, I, I'll do the Arthur Morgan voice right to your face. <laughs> Fancy Francis at the old at the old mayor's party. You clearly, I, I honestly, you don't, you know the game way better than I do. But yeah, dude, I, I got my moonshine shack out in Strawberry, so <laughs> you know we're doing all right. Sometimes I move oh, yeah. up to tall trees, just yeah. seeing where I've gone. Uh, I'm the guy who lets everyone know that the fireworks have started and i'm like oh look over there and then and then i populated a bunch of those people at that party Dude, so fucking great i was a guy smoking a cigar and all this and by the way when you when you do these things dan i'm sure have you ever done uh video game work yeah i uh i might have a couple i have a uh and, and non-disclosure so 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 did i so possibly, did I. possibly with the same company that you worked for yeah right as, as do i by the way hey yeah. let's touch dicks everyone in the center <laughs> everyone touch their dick in the center of the zoom <laughs> so uh mine's down, mine's down here but I'll i'm probably not supposed to violate that then i feel like I, what i just did nah, dude, of- games out cats out of the bag that's I, what i, I thought honestly, yeah yeah rockstar i don't they're uh i know laz at rockstar and he's a fucking he's a g and and i think it really is just they're just trying to protect what's coming they don't yeah once yeah. it's out because like i said i just gave away that arthur morgan gets tuberculosis in the story <laughs> yeah right um <laughs> yeah but i the, i was gonna say the craft services tape i mean we had chinese food for lunch there so not quite the steak of it's pretty badass capital. though it's pretty badass to get yeah, in, if like, you're into that sort of i mean thing. yeah and by the way the lunches kept getting like the lunches are great yeah but it really was one of those shows where you're like yes paul giamatti and damian lewis that's it Deserve that's how you this. know like yeah. Yeah, they dictate everything so like because right. of those because you got guys like that maggie siff and you know yeah. condoleezza i mean uh, condola rashad i don't know why i call her condoleezza uh, <laughs> uh but like condola and, and toby and like there's like a bunch of fucking big cool people on that that you're like yeah, yeah of course this is fucking so is it like that is it like Le- like the way lebron is on the fucking when he's on a team like they have that kind of pull like they're sort of the coach too i don't i don't no 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 man they like there's there's a good chemistry with how they make that show and uh you know watching the input that like damien and maggie and david costable have like you know, I think it's like a good, it's a good relationship. I don't think it's like a dominant, because I've heard from several people on set that they were like, don't ever think that big shows like this are this easy to work on. 
Hmm. Like, don't ever think they're like, there's usually so many egos and fucking arguing. There really isn't, man. Like, billions, it's just such a big crew, I think, that everyone shows up and they're like, all right, let's, you know, let's get this done. I'm sure everyone and their awesome. mother has asked you this question, but uh, at what point, because you said through season one and two, you and uh, that your fellow actor were were kind of going and thinking like, well, who knows when, the, when this will end. At what point did you feel secure in your role and secure in the continuity of the show? I mean, I'm, I'm secure in the continuity of the show. I think that was after season three. We were kind of like, oh, shit, like this is going to go. This is going to yeah. probably go to the end, especially seeing Showtime back it. The way yeah. they did, you're like, okay, this is, they're going to be able to play this out, but security in the role, fucking, I don't know. A- anytime I'm called to do an episode, I'm like, yes, oh, fucking thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Because, nice. <laughs> you know, I mean, they can write people off literally yeah. Like, yeah. In, in a page. You're, right. you're gone. But the good thing about Billions in that it's not a show like Game of Thrones where people actually die. Yeah. Billions, you just get white people died which you get fired <laughs> so they're like yeah. you're fired and you're like no my reputation <laughs> so i don't know i uh there was one time season i think it's season one where axe fires me like because yes. i tell him yeah not to do something and he like fires me and i remember reading that script and then i called daniel k isaac and he was like i was like dude i got fired i just read it in the script and he's like no and then <laughs> I kept reading and I called him back and I'm like, okay, I just read it. And he didn't fire me and everything's okay. And he's like, oh, okay. I'm drunk at brunch. Stop doing it. Because <laughs> I, like, yeah, right, I think as a comic, you're always, we're treated just like zoo animals. Mm. Like comics, they're just like, go into your pen, eat your apple, and then I'll tell you when to dance. And you're like, thank you very much. And then you get to do that. Like that's the thing. So as far as acting goes, like I've had way worse jobs. But I'm just like, dude, I'm just happy to be here. So putting in like 16 hours on billions, you're like, it's fun. It's all, all interesting people, cool shit. Hell yeah. That's well, awesome. we keep our episodes short, and uh, I think that's probably our time for today. But, Dan, uh, thank you so much for, for joining us. Um, we can obviously find you, as I mentioned. Check out his HBO special, Son of a Gary. It's fantastic. Thanks, Especially with the, I love the the muted tones that you chose with which to paint that special. Yeah, man, I wanted it like grainy, uh, yeah, like an old school. Because I kept seeing like stand up specials that were shot like fucking commercials. Mm-hmm. You're like, mm-hmm. this is too sharp and bright. Why yeah, do I right. see everything? Yeah. And I kind of liked. I always liked uh, like horror films where you couldn't really see what was in the dark. Yeah, there's always like this kind of like, what the fuck is that a person? I don't know. I can't see shit. And yeah. Uh, so yeah, man, they were able to. Ryan Storer and, and everyone at Rotten Science fucking nailed it. And they just awesome. killed the fucking I was I was proud of that, man. I'm glad it's streaming and you know. Yeah. Hell really yeah. fucking cool, man. Really awesome. Um, Thanks, anything man. else you want us to know about? Uh Bonfire. You yeah. can listen to Big J and I's radio show Monday through Thursday, six to eight PM Eastern. There's actually a free promo right now. If you go to SiriusXM.us slash the bonfire, you can get uh free listening through the app till May fifteenth. I think they're doing a quarantine thing. So go listen. I think you can listen to other shit on the app too, like Tom Brady on Howard Stern this morning. Hell yeah. Very cool. That's Dan Soder, everybody. We are Oops the Podcast. Send your uh, messages in to oopsthepodcast at gmail.com or to our Instagram at oopsthepodcast. For now, I'm Francis. He's Julio. That's Dan Soder. Thanks so much, everybody. We'll see you next week. See you later, man. See you guys.